So let's uh, get immediately into the word. And um, so last week I spoke a little bit long. I was an hour and 45 minutes busy. But that's because I wanted to finish. Anyways, I didn't want to carry on with it. I wanted to finish it there. And so, um, so I wanted to start the message that the Lord gave me on promotion. What the Lord said about promotion. And uh, so this, I don't know how long we're going to take this. I think it's going to maybe take a, a couple of weeks to get through uh, everything that the Lord was sharing with me and so on. And, uh, and I kind of want us to discuss it also in the house churches. So those of you who are house facilitators, I kind of wrote questions already. So these questions, um, if you take them down, you basically have your questions for the discussion. So you can take these. And um, today is uh, just like an introduction into, into this message. And as we go into the introduction, I just want to say a few things, a few pointers, just get it out there. And the reason for that is uh, I'm discussing with people and sharing some of the things that the Lord is sharing with me. And it's good to discuss it with people and share. And then some people ask you questions and, you know, because many times if you say something, people can maybe misunderstand what you are saying. And then um, they, they go home with a, a misunderstanding of what you actually said. And then you weren't actually saying that. So I, I think I was in, in one of the house churches that I was, that I was just standing in for, for someone with a Babylonian, a Babylonian message. Then someone asked me, so, you know, maybe I mustn't work, you know, but that's what, what I was saying. You know, so, so sometimes such misunderstanding. So I wrote questions so that when I get into the message that you don't uh, misunderstand and, and think I'm saying something else when I'm not saying it. Primarily, primarily in, the, in the initial stage of this message, we're dealing with the intent of the heart. That's so, so very important to understand that it's the intent of the heart. Remember I gave you the word that God said the word, is, the word is coming to sift the intent and the thoughts of the heart. So initially in the initial stage we're dealing with the intent, the motive of the heart. And so when you look at certain scriptures, if you don't, if you don't uh, realize that point that I'm dealing with the intent of the heart, then you could, then you could think I'm saying something. Uh, when I'm not actually saying that. For example, maybe like, um, you might think I'm saying you shouldn't plan, you know, but you should plan. But in, the, in that, the, the planning stage, you know, we deal with the motive, the motive of the heart, and that is what is important. That's what's important, we're dealing with those things. And we, we'll read and go through scriptures and so on. So, and... And the Word of God, if the Word is going to sift your heart, if it's going to sift your heart, if it's going to uh, discern your heart, uh, it could provoke you, you know. Not because I speak loud or in an angry way, you know. Um, as I stand here, I'm not angry at anything or something like that. So, however it comes out, 
you know, it comes out. You know, so it's not to it's not because I have an initial anger or anything. So if it comes out a bit strong, then it comes out that way, but there's no there's no you understand what I'm saying. So uh, when a word so it it might provoke you. It can the word provoke means to irritate you. It also means to uh, sort of make you angry. It can make you angry. And then the scripture says you can harden your heart or something like that. So I'm just saying some of those few things and those are sometimes signs for us that we need to just check our hearts and so on i i do that a lot check my heart there's no guilt to it there's no condemnation to it i just check my heart so when i experience things in relationship to someone else or my get i have to check my heart and see if my heart is right and ask the lord so um so we're going to get into this message and, and so I'm first going to get all the questions out so we can get so that, so that when I'm into the message, really into it, you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Right? Okay. Um, let's go to Psalm 75 verses 6. Psalm 75 verses 6. Psalm 75, verses 6. Okay, it says here, For promotion comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. Okay, so, and then the next verse, But God is the judge. He puts down one and he sets up another. Okay? So, in connection with promotion, God says, if I promote, he uses the word, but God is the judge. Or another translation says, he sits as a judge. So, in other words, when it comes to promotion, God does not sit. Because he says, promotion put up one that means give someone a higher position in a company or or you'll understand promotion right i don't think i need to explain that and sets down one demote demote and it says the way god decides the way god makes his decision whether you will promote or demote is uh, he has to sit as a judge. Okay, so he does not sit as your redeemer. Does not sit as your savior. Does not sit as your, you know, your best friend or your buddy. You know, you know, saying no. Ah, You understand? He judges your work. He judges what you do and so he sits as a judge so in other words i can you where kick i can say okay he was before but you were given these instructions did you do it did you do the instructions how did you do it yeah all those things then he evaluates your work and those type of things right and 
when it comes to promotion, um, God, God also looks at the heart. So he sits, so he sits as a judge, right? He sits as a judge. Then First Corinthians chapter four, verses four to five. First Corinthians chapter four, verses four to five. He judges. Okay. Here Paul says, For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judges me is the Lord. Next one. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness Okay, that means things of darkness. That can be your, 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 the way you think, the way you understand things. And it can also be the things you are hiding. Because darkness is also the realm where you hide. And will make manifest the counsels of the heart. Okay? And then shall every man have praise of God. So God will judge the counsels of your heart, the purpose, the will, the intents. The motives of your heart. Alright? So God judges. God judges. When you think of judgment, don't think, don't think the old way of what you think as condemnation against you. Those type of thoughts. As He's evaluating you. He's showing you what is in your heart for a, a better purpose. Right, so then give me Proverbs 3 verses 35. Proverbs 3 verses 35. So, when it comes, so you have to understand that when you're asking God for promotion, you got to know that God is judging your work, okay? Judging your work. It's like sometimes what you do with your kids, they say, I would like uh, if you can buy me. Dad, can you buy me, you know, that big remote control car there that I see in the shop? And you think, no, okay, I'd like to, I'd like to, um, I'd like to buy him that, but I'd also like to teach him something. So you say, okay, if you, you give him a few chores to do a few things, and then as you give him those chores, and then when he says, I'm finished, he says, okay, come on, cake. Let's do that. You know, let's evaluate your work. And then kijk hier and dan say, Neil, jy het hom gesê, hy moet hier vir my, hy het niks of hy was te hastig oor die karrekie, wat hy moet kry. It's too in a hurry about the car that he's going to get. So he skips some of you things because he's in a hurry and he doesn't do it. So he say, no, 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 no. First do everything I told you to do and then we can talk about the car. You understand what I'm saying? You judge. You're saying you evaluate, you look at the work and so on. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. Okay? So last year we spoke a little bit about the wise and the fool. Okay? The fool hates knowledge. Okay? The fool speaks, tends to speak a lot. You know? And the, and the fool hates reproof, hates correction, hates being corrected but the wise when they are corrected 
the Bible says they will increase in learning. You know, so uh, and the book of Proverbs says that the wise have many counselors. So, in fact, so when you're wise, uh, although a person that is wise tend to give can give a lot of advice, but when it's when the Bible talks about a wise person. It also means it's someone who likes to listen to what somebody else has to say and, and how they think about it. So the wise don't know everything, but what they don't know, they know who to ask so that they can learn and be guided and instructed in the path that they seek to take. You all understand that? So, but the fool does not want to ask the fool just wants to do his own thing. All right? You all understand that. So, so and uh, anyway, and, and there's many things else but the fool. But the shame can also be your promotion. Okay? So, it's important for us to understand. I want you to get that point. If you're going to pray and ask God to promote you, immediately you've got to know you're talking to the judge. The judge. He's your daddy, but he's going to judge your work. Amen. And, and so basically I feel that this message that we bring is for every, every person because we all are out there in the marketplace and so on. And those type of things. We all have works and those things. So it will, it will um, what's the word? It can be applicable to all of us, right? Because not everyone works in the, in the church, but all of us have got a work out there. Okay, so here comes my few pointers. Okay, first question, can you plan? Can you plan? Can you do planning? Can you do planning? Because when I talk about the, for example, a little bit about the Father, it may sound like I'm saying one cannot plan. Right? And I don't want you to misunderstand that. So you, you can do planning. Okay? A few examples. few examples is David planned or prepared um, all the material. Uh, once God showed him what his son was going to do and build the temple and how great the work was, he had a plan. His plan was, I will prepare all the gold, the silver, the brass, the vessels. I will prepare and get everything ready. So that when I pass away, I can just pass everything over to Solomon and he can continue the next work. And then David also prepared all the plans for the temple. The, the plans for the temple, he had it. And he gave it over to Solomon. So Solomon, while they were busy with the, building the temple, he was studying the plans. Okay? He was studying the plans. So one can do planning. Then the other thing is, uh, you all remember the life of Joseph. Joseph. Oh, when he got, came out of prison, he was standing in front of Pharaoh, and he was telling them about the seven-year drought. 
okay, and famine and so on that was coming, and then there was going to be seven years of, or sorry, first seven years of blessing, prosperity, and then seven years of famine and drought, which which actually uh, which actually was going to affect the whole of Egypt. They could have died. And when he interpreted the dream for them, he immediately gave them a plan. What they can do to survive the famine and the hard times that were coming. So he was very prudent. He was very uh, foresightful. He looked ahead because of what God had showed him. He could see ahead of time. And he, he planned he had a plan already of how they could go through and survive that. So you could see there was planning. And then a little later on you could see how we structured the way everything came in. All the grain and everything that came in. How they stored it. How they put, one, how they put some away. Used some. So there was a plan. Okay, you all with me? So planning is, is godly. It's not... There's nothing wrong with planning. Then the, the I think the book of Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16 verses 1. Okay, the King James doesn't say it that way, but there's another translation that... that says it differently but the preparations or the plan the plan of the heart in man or the plan in a man's heart belongs to him okay and we say it belongs to him okay the plans of the heart belongs to man right and it says but the answer of the tongue is from Jehovah so in other words you you have a plan and God says, it's your responsibility to plan. And then God says, and then God says, but then when you're finished with your plans, come talk to me. So I can speak to you about your plans. You know, sometimes we want God to speak, but we have no plans. You're right? And God says, where's your plan? You want him to speak, but he's got, you got no plan. So here you can see, book of Proverbs yeah, here he says, planning belongs to you. Alright? And then I think uh, verses 9 of St. Paul 16, verses 9. A man hearts devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So you devise, you think, you plan all those things, and the Lord would like to direct your steps, order your steps guide you into it and so on okay so so that's the that's the point that i want to give you but uh, let's go to jeremiah 29 verse 11 famous scripture of last night for charles and joanne it seems like it's both their scriptures their life scripture right jeremiah 29 verses 11 Well, anyway, it says, the, it says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, right? Or thoughts, or it also means in the Hebrew plans. Another translation will say plans, says the Lord. 
thoughts of peace or plans of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. So, so our God, who is spirit, has plans. So, you understand? So, uh, so if we are spiritual, if we are spiritual, it doesn't mean we can't plan. So many times, when we get too spiritual, then we want to right but we we don't see planning as a something spiritual or something that we can do right so god says i know the plans or the thoughts he thinks in fact if you had to really if you could really hear god and and spend time with him he could tell you his plans with your life i mean god is not when you ask god something say let me, let me just think about it now. What I want to do with you. Just give me a few moments. I want to think. No. If you ask God now, He'll tell you everything that He has planned for your life. Do you understand that? So, God plans. God knows exactly what He wants to achieve in your life. He knows exactly um, what He wants you to do. How He wants you to do it. All those things. There's a scripture in Psalm 139 that says, um, All my days are written in your book before they ever began. So that to me, my understanding of that doesn't mean that God, God uh, wrote uh, your failure, planned your failure. No, it just means that God, like any, like any uh, parent would do maybe for his children, or any person would do for his own personal life, he would plan. He would plan his future. And obviously you're not planning your failure. So, and then you can write all your plans down, but it's not your failure. There might be failures, mistakes, in, on your way to your destiny. But that's okay. The plan hasn't changed. We just... We just work around the failure or the plan and let's just come back to the plan. That's just, we keep going. We keep, so, and that's where the Bible says, all things work together for the good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. So that doesn't mean, uh, that means, so that means when you fail or when you make a mistake or as you fall, God just tends to use that as an opportunity for His his grace, His mercy, His goodness um, to create a testimony and then just brings you right back and says, let's get on with the plan. Right? So, God, God had a plan with the church and it went all wrong at Adam and then Jesus came back to restore the plan. For example, the, when the Bible talks about your salvation, the Bible doesn't say that just that you were saved by grace. There's a scripture that says you were saved, uh, you were saved according to His grace or to His purpose and grace. So why were you saved? Because God wanted to redeem His purpose with man. So that's one of the reasons why Jesus came to die for us. Is to redeem His purpose with man. So it's not just to save you and then wait to go to heaven. It's He has a purpose with you. Do you understand that? So He has a purpose. And He, he, wants, to, 
He wants you to, uh, to understand His plan firstly for the church, us all together. We all, we all basically have the same calling. Do you understand? We all have the same calling. We all have the same purpose because we together as the church are called to... For example, you are all called, called to reveal God. You are all called to rule for God, to rule with God. You understand? So, you're, you're all called to do that. So, there we have the same calling, but then our individual specific, how we live out that calling that we all have, might be different. Do you all understand that? Might be different. So, um, so that's Jeremiah 29, 11. God has a plan for you. Uh, Ephesians 1. So I'm giving scriptures to show you that planning is, is godly, it's right. And I don't want you later on to think that I'm, I'm against planning and think you shouldn't plan. Ephesians 1, verses, verses 9, verses 9. Ephesians 1 verses 9. Okay, it says here, um, Having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He has purposed in Himself. Right? So, God has a will. God has um, a will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself. So in himself, there was an, a goal, there was an intent, there was a reason. And then he, I'm not going to go into all the words here now, but there's a Greek word here, which is prothesis. Now in English, you get the word thesis. That's when you do all your, you have to write a thesis when you are studying and so on. You have to write a thesis to bring your conclusion of things, but then you have to go out and study. You have to go out and say, why are you saying what you are saying? And then you have to write a thesis thereon. And so you have to do your homework. You have to study. You have to study the negatives, the positives, and all these type of things. And then you have to bring it together, and then you have your thesis. So in other words, God has a... And pro means before. So God did all his homework beforehand. Before anything. And then he... So... He would see things, he would do them, and then he would write his thesis. Alright? And so he has a so God has a purpose, he has a plan for the church. And it's and that purpose and plan and everything he wrote down is called his will. Right? It's called his will. He counseled with himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Counseled amongst others, discussed, talked. And then they came to the to the to, okay, this is the plan. And then they wrote it down. So there is planning. Amen? So, so for those of you who are planning, praise God. For those of you who are not planning, okay, start planning. Okay, start planning. So, uh, question number two. Question number two. Can you plan your prosperity? Okay, that's a question we have to ask because, um, because 
what's the word? Because as I'm saying things, we could, we could, um, what's the word? Maybe misunderstand what I'm saying. Okay? Yes. Answers, yes. Okay? Again, Jeremiah 29 verse 11. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you hope and a bright future. Right? So, we can plan. Again, uh, David had a plan of how to prosper, how to go forward. The Bible says about Joseph that he was a prosperous man. That means he knew how to plan in such a way and work in such a way, came with such ideas that it would advance, push forward whatever he would do. Right? The, the only thing is that God wants us to align his plans with his plan. That's what God wants, right? Um, so we see in the life of Jacob that when Jacob planned or when Jacob came to the idea that he wants his own business, God gave him a strategy on how to make it prosper, a plan, right? And you can obviously go and read that. So Jacob had this whole plan that God gave him on how to prosper and God's goal was to prosper Jacob, okay, to make Jacob flourish, prosper. And at the end of the, the day, the Bible says that Jacob, Jacob um, multiplied and increased in cattle and herd and, and men servants and maidservants. And I mean, were, uh, exceedingly, the Bible says, prospered. So, and uh, there's a scripture in Deuteronomy, I think, 818, I'm not sure I speak on the correction where it is, where it says the reason God gives you power to obtain wealth is so that He can establish His covenant that He made with you through your forefathers. Do you understand? So, so God is a covenant-keeping God and that's why He wants to prosper you. Okay. Uh, point number three. Can you eat from God's goodness and abundance? Uh, that's another question because um, while speaking, some people, you know, someone said, I feel so skuldig as I eat for myself, or sweet, you know. So, and we, you don't want to have that feeling of feeling guilty when you're buying something for yourself or doing something for yourself. You see, so we're just getting all these questions out so that you don't misunderstand me later on when I speak. So, um, can, yeah, can you eat from God's goodness and abundance? The answer is yes. Yes. Again, taking it from Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7. So, who goes a warfare at any time at his own charges? Okay, so that simply means who, who joins the army and uh, pays himself. Okay, the government takes care of him, right? And they pay for everything, right? Who plants a vineyard and eats not of the fruit thereof? So, 
you can spiritualize that because the church is also called the vineyard. You can spiritualize it. And Paul is saying, who plants a church and is not allowed to eat of the fruit that comes out of the church, you know? And then he's speaking about material things. But just take it on a literal sense. Vineyard, um, if you take a, a husbandman or so on, someone who plants a vineyard makes wine, it's his business. Right? It's his business. Who plants or starts a business and then does not eat from the fruit thereof. Okay, so you can start a business and live well. Right? You all, you all understand that. So, uh, that's what we... Otherwise, you may... Otherwise, again, later on when I get into the message, you may misunderstand me. And then you get... You might have a false or get a guilty feeling for, for blessing yourself. You understand? Or doing something nice for yourself. You all understand that? Right? So, well, who plants a vineyard and doesn't eat and eats not of the fruit thereof? Who feeds a flock and eats not of the milk of the flock? Right? So, who's a farmer and has a cow and milks it and then just gives everything away or sells everything and then doesn't provide for himself milk? You understand? It's, it's not right. So, you... And the word eat there means to live. To live also. One of the meanings for eat means to live. So who milks the cow or who plants a vineyard and does not live off what he has built, planted and so on. Salama met me. Okay. Um, what are the scriptures? First Samuel chapter 2 verses 30. First Samuel chapter 2 verses 30. First Samuel chapter 2 verses 30. Here it says, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that thy house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now says the Lord, be it far from me. For them that honor me I will honor and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Right? So the, the whole principle that I want to take here is your father or our father who is God even he honors man. You understand? So, honor is not only expected to be given to God, but God also gives honor to man. Do you understand? And the, uh, he is God. He is almighty. He is creator. I mean, all honor and glory and power and praise and majesty and worship and adoration belongs to him. Right? But even this majestic, glorious, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God will honor you. You understand? Will praise you. Will clap his hands for you. Will bless you. Will serve you. Will get down on his knees, take a towel and wash your feet. Do nuts and say, man as you have a do. Right? He will serve you. God. That's a, a picture of a man. A man can serve his family. He can serve others. 
He can get down on his knees. It doesn't um, diminish him or make him less. You all understand that, right? Then Proverbs 3 verses 9. I'm just, there's many things we can say. I'm just highlighting a principle here. Proverbs 3 verses 9. It says, Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. Right? So there's other things we can teach here, but that's not the point here. It's just honor the Lord with your substance. Now, if you study and go through the Bible, then you will see every time people honored a king or honored somebody, excuse me, they always brought a gift, right? To show the value. When the queen of Sheba came to see Solomon's wisdom and to honor him, she brought him much gifts. The Bible says about David when he was old and getting ready to, uh, to retire, all the people honored David with gifts and silver and so on. So they honor with substance. Do you understand that? You honor with substance. So honor is not only lip service. Okay? Oh, he's wonderful. God, God says, I, I want to see you know, honor, substance and honor go together. You can just go and read throughout the Bible and you will see that those things go together. Right? Then the next one um, is 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 to 18. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 to 18. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Okay? So, if someone labors, you are to honor him. Right? Next one, verses 18. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. Does or is God speaking about a natural ox? No. He's likening the laborer in the church to an ox. I work. And I say, so you say, Mon tumak, Will you close? Will you not give the ox food after having labored the whole day? And then just, you understand, later on the ox will no longer be of any worth to you. Right? I say, hey, for Right? So that's uh, in the church the principle of um, taking care and so on. But obviously, you can naturalize it as well. So it has a, a dual application. And then he says, and, the, and then he comes on, the laborer is worthy of his reward. Another scripture will say, the laborer is worthy of his higher right laborer is worthy of his higher so when he said let them be count worthy of double honor he was talking about you are to take care and but if you say you honor then you must bring substance okay that's just the whole principle there's other things that we can really go in there but i'm just i want to extract the principle that when you honor you give substance you all understand that now that it can be money, it can be 
other things as well. But there is tangible substance to your honoring. Right? And I think, yeah, so, so my point out of all of that, I just wanted to show you the point. God says, I will honor you. So in other words, it means, uh, while I was not sharing, uh, a couple of weeks ago, when the Lord was sharing all the stuff, I heard the Lord say, when I promote, I honor. So in other words, if God is going to promote you, God will increase your substance. Do you understand that? So because God says, I will honor you, right? I will honor, God honors man. And so, so it's a godly thing when you promote someone like in your business or work or wherever you are, you know, to maybe increase your salary. Other, other I know, gov- maybe the government, they will, they will not just increase your salary, they will give you a car, give you a house, they'll give you, you know, they honor you. Okay? And so on. So, when God promotes, God will honor you. He will add to your substance. He will add to you. He will increase you. So, it's a, it's a godly thing and the labor is worthy of his higher. Okay. First uh, Timothy chapter 6 verses 17. So, you, you all understood that? So, when God, when God promotes, when God lifts or sets up or raises or gives you more responsibility. He increases, He honors, He increases your substance and so on. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. What was my question? My question was can you eat from God's goodness and abundance? And the last line here of the scripture says, God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Okay, so enjoy it. Right? Enjoy it. You've, um, you've worked hard for it. You've trusted God and all those type of things. So, uh, and Bible says God gives richly all things to enjoy. Right, so, so you don't so don't feel guilty because sometimes when we get to spiritual, we can feel guilty for uh, having a nice time. You understand? So, and that's not the impression that I want you to get when I get into the message. Right? So, uh, you you shouldn't feel guilty for enjoying what you have. Okay, that is, it's your right. It's your right to enjoy it. Stay, stay daylight. Okay, easy. Um, Genesis 30, verses 28. Okay, so you can eat. Um, the Bible says about, about uh, Noah. Noah. Bible says that Noah became a husbandman and he planted a vineyard. And the Bible says um, he drank from the vineyard. And then he got drunk. And then and the point there is 
you know, in the New Testament said, you must eat from the vineyard. And Noah went and drank from his success. Right? He drank from his success. And then it, when you get drunk, spiritually speaking, you don't think properly. You know, you're not in your right. That's what the Bible speaks about, sober-minded. Where you don't care. And so, honestly, things like pride and those type of things can come in. So, we are to, we are to eat. Um, Genesis 30. Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Okay, he says, and this is the story of Jacob and Laban. Okay, it's seen as a, as the MC's a, the favorite man, Laban. Right, and he said, "Appoint me thy wages, and I will give it." Now, this is a story where, where Jacob, I think, has been working. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but whether it's 14 or it's now at 20. But I think it. I think it's at 14. He had now worked 14 years, and that I'll say under correction. But I know the rest. Right. And he said, appoint me thy wages. And Jacob now became tired of working for Laban. And he said, no, 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 no. Um, You had just given birth to his son called Joseph. And Joseph means increase. The name Joseph means increase. And the name Joseph means fruitful. Right? And we see in Genesis chapter 1, 27, 28, 29, and God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful. And God said, multiply. And God said, fill the earth. And God said, replenish the earth. And God said, subdue the earth. So how, So one of the ways that you, you come to a place of subduing or exercising the dominion and rule that God wanted you to have is by increasing. It's by multiplying. Do you understand? So God blessed you, increase, multiply, be fruitful. Okay, and so Jacob had given birth to a son called Joseph, figuratively meaning he now started giving birth to the concept of increase, of fruitfulness, the original intent, Genesis 1 verses 27, the original intent of God, bless man, let him fruitful, let him multiply, let him increase, God's idea is still for you to multiply and increase. It's the covenant of Abraham. Okay, it's God's covenant with Abraham. I will bless you. I will multiply. I will increase you abundantly. The, the, the fat of the earth, the dew of heaven. You know, it's speaking about increase. So he said, appoint me thy wages and I will give it. So now he's tired. Jacob was blessed by his father Isaac. When he left the house, and Jacob said to him, uh, uh, Isaac said to Jacob, when he blessed him, he said, God, bless you and multiply you exceedingly, increase and, and make the blessing of Abraham be upon you. So this guy's got the blessing. All right? And obviously, by the time when it comes to, to, to uh, Laban's business, he worked for his 
you were you had cattle and so on. So back then it wasn't it wasn't the church, right? It was his business that Jacob came to. And that's we see wages. And since Jacob was there, uh, Laban's business increased, prospered, right? So your blessing wherever you go work, but we'll speak about that later. Wherever you work, you must uh, make that man's business, that man's uh, company that you work for, you must make it prosper, right? You must, you must say, God bless this man. God prosper this business. God use me to, to let this business flourish. Let everything that's under my hand, let it flourish. Let it just prosper. Let it be evident, Lord. And you must not be jealous when that boss or whoever, that company prospers. It's because it must become your goal, right? It must become your goal. But we'll talk about that later. And anyway, let's get to the scripture now. And he appoint thy wages and I will give it to you. Now, Jacob wants to leave because Laban is a picture of a spirit that works in certain bosses, right? And Jacob, uh, not Jacob, Laban has covetousness in his heart. So basically, everything wants to come to him and he will not share it with his workers and and Jacob later on said to his wives your father has changed my salary 10 times and and so it speaks of a wicked boss but we'll also get into that later on and and uh, and then he's and then now Jacob wants to leave and Laban says, no, 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 don't, 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 don't leave. Please don't leave. Right? Tell me your wages. Name me your wages. You know, and that's sometimes the problem with Christians. We don't want to tell our wages. You know, someone will ask you, how much do you think I should pay you? Whatever you use on your heart. You know, you want to, the Christian thing, you want to do the Christian thing. No, name your wages. What do you think you are worth? You understand? Say what sukye or varaje nuerach. Obviously, you understand. Name your wages. Obviously, don't be. Uh, but you know, you got to think about it logically and properly. All those type of things. You know. For example, if someone says, you know, you live in Ventuk and you're moving to Wolfish Bay, and and this company wants to take you, and but they don't want to. And maybe life is more expensive here than in Winter. Just an example. And they want you to come work here for the same salary. You're going to say, wow, I can't. You say, oh yes, I'll take it. You know, but, and you come here and you're suffering. You've got to say, no, you know what? Uh, the life in Wolfish Bay is a little bit more expensive. And seeing that you want me to come work for you, all those type of things, you... You can calculate and work your expenses and all those type of things and say, uh, you know, if you give me this, I will consider coming and moving over to this side. Right? So, you got to name your wages. Right? Um, so, and many times it's uh, funny that as Christians, we don't want to name our wages. We don't want to say these things. We kind of want to just want to, you know, leave it to that, to, to the whoever's wants to employ you to just kind of like in, in his good heart, you know, to, you know, but you got to think about it. Okay, next verse. 
And he said unto him, You know that I have served you and how your cattle was with me. Okay. We won't highlight that now. Next one. 13. For it was little which you have before when I came, and now it's increased unto a multitude. Can you see how Jacob caused Laban's business to prosper? Right? And that is, if you're working for someone, that is, that is your priority. Even if he's a wicked boss, it's Jacob serve. It's your priority to make sure that he goes, don't join him in his stealing. Okay, but just make sure you do your work righteously. Right? And the Lord has blessed you since my coming. Uh, and anyway, Laban knew it. So he just told him what he already knew. Because Laban had told him, I know since you were here, I have prospered. And, uh, and now when, now listen, now when shall I provide for my own house also? Okay, the word provide, I think here, yeah, the word provide means to furnish, to advance, to provide. So when shall I advance my own house? When I shall I uh, prosper my own house, furnish my own house, and those type of things. So, so here you can see that what I believe here, it was a righteous desire for Jacob to want to take care of his house and to see the the prosperity of his house, the advancement of his house. I'm talking about his family now, right? You, you in your family, for the provision of his family, to give them the things that they would need, you know. For example, you would want them wanted to go study, you would want them to do things. So you'd want to advance to be able to do those things, right? So uh, Jacob did not have a covetous desire, right? He had a righteous desire. You see, so it's a righteous thing for you to desire that your house should prosper. For your house to advance. Because in the New Testament, he says, how can you take care of the church if you can't take care of your own family? Alright? And so, so I, I want to point it out to you, it's a righteous thing when you have a desire to want to advance your family and those type of things, right? You'll almost sum up me. Okay, so, um, so Jacob did not have a covetous desire. He wanted to take, because he had no problem. But he started with the no problem. As I think he had no 12, 11 or 12 children. And uh, so I think Joseph was the last one. Uh, no. Benjamin, okay, yeah, he's the youngest, yeah. Okay, so it eleven children, and uh, and I would provide for his family. <laughs> I would plan mark, right? <laughs> this klom klom geld, klom nepis, and I weet nie. Let's see, die nepis that it gaat in melkes dier. I would check a mark. I would say, vrouw. Goeie koos gee, want dan moet goeie melk daar uitkom. Hoe sê? Ja, was harde weer. Oké, okay, so, my whole point out there is, can you eat out of the abundance and the goodness that God gives to you? Yes. 
So don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty to enjoy what you have. Right? Don't let that um, get into your heart. Okay. Point number four. Next question. Must I work? Yeah, you see the thing is when I get into the a little bit into the father mentality or teaching, that could get that could make you think I'm saying you shouldn't work, but that's not really what I'm saying. I'm getting down to a posture or a a way of life or a way of thinking, a way of operating. Okay. Second Thessalonians chapter three verses ten to eleven. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 10 to 11. Now there are cases where the Lord tells someone not to go and work yeah, secularly, but then he obviously has work for him to do also. So, um, and maybe God's trying to establish something in his life. Those type of things. So, um, where's the scripture here? For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, you shouldn't eat. Okay? So, you shouldn't eat. So, right? Who's there? Where do you work? Right? So, you all look shocked at this verse. Huh? <laughs> right? Okay. So, and then verse 11. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busy bodies. Okay? You guys look like you never read this verse before. <laughs> right? It's a revelation. Yes, Egovias ate the brainy. Right. Okay. First Thessalonians chapter four, verses ten to twelve. It seems like it was a problem in Thessalonians. Okay. First Thessalonians chapter four, verses ten to twelve. Yeah. And indeed, you do it towards all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, beg you, ask you, brethren, that, excuse me, you increase more and more. Increase more and more. Next one. And that you, sh that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your hands. As we commanded you. Okay, so you should work with your hands. Next one. That you walk honestly towards them that are without and that you may lack, may have lack of nothing. So God doesn't want you to have a lack. Right, so, so, um, I just want you to get that God doesn't want you to have a lack. Right, so, um, now there's obviously a difference between um, when you have needs and you lack and then there's something else that someone has that you don't have that's not now lacking it, you know. That's, 
There's you comparing yourself for someone else. Okay. What did I say from verse, did I say, 10 to 12, right? Okay, so uh, God doesn't want you to have a lack. God wants you to work with your hands and so on. I, I understand also that there are times, you know, God can ask someone to tell someone to leave their work and so on, but we shouldn't make that the norm, right? And those are special occasions and so on. Right, uh, question number five so right you all know you should work right <laughs> question number five so what we need to do is we need to we need to get rid of every desire that you have not to work because because you we need to understand that is in our works that we are there to reveal god not to go and preach him not to go and preach him at your workplace and then never do your work okay you know to go and work reveal God show his wisdom yeah. show a, show your self-control show how you are different all those type of things your conduct must win people okay but we are going to get into that uh, uh, question number five so out of everything I said, what does God want from us? What does God want from us? Matthew chapter 6 verses 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Okay? What does God want? Seek first his kingdom. Okay? And if you take it in the context, in the context, we will, I mean, we, we will get to that, not today, but in the context, God is speaking about eating and drinking, and clothing, and adding. And then he says, but seek ye first the kingdom. So in other words, he says, he wants you to seek his kingdom first or before your eating, your drinking, and your clothing. You understand that? That is, the, that is the adjustment that we must make, understand, if we are going to do it God's way. Um, we must, in other, the word first, the word first means first in place or time, First in place or time. Okay, first in place or time. First in rank or first in order. Okay. So, now it doesn't mean that in every situation you'll do it first. But it's getting the heart. All right? We're dealing with the motive and the intent of the heart. And God is saying in your heart, your priority, your first priority must be his kingdom, right? In, in the regard or your motive or your drive, your passion. You understand? First, before eating, drinking, and clothing. Um, so you seek the kingdom first before you seek things for your self. 
This is a this is a a posture, a, a way you you posture or um, align yourself or correct, you know what you do. So in other words, seek the advancement of the kingdom before you seek to advance yourself. Okay? Now, what I said was, that doesn't mean every time you're about maybe to do something. Say, for example, you want to plan the prospering of your house, like Jacob did. Do you understand? Plan the prospering of your house. Now, but in general, your desire is to prosper the kingdom. It is your first passion that you have. So, in our words, that would be your drive. That would be the way you think. And so, you might not do it in every instance. And so, now, that's the way you live. You, you're constantly thinking about the kingdom, what you can do for the kingdom, and, and so on. Right? And so, now you might say, okay, I'm going to plan now the prosperity of my house. So, they you don't say, okay, God, first now, your kingdom. Because you've already put him first. Do you understand? So it doesn't literally mean in everything. You've already made, you've made in your heart, God is first. You understand? So it will, when it is first, it will automatically control your thinking. How you think. When the heart is right. It will make control how you think and operate. You all understand me. You're with me. Right? Okay. So, um, so that's what God wants. God wants you to seek first Him and His kingdom. Okay? So that's the adjustment that we have to make. Then, uh, point number six. I'll end off with this question, and we won't go into detail into it. We'll go next week into detail. Okay, but I'll just leave it off here, and then we'll continue in. Because I don't want to speak too long. Because I can't speak longer than the discussion on a Thursday. If the discussion is supposed to be an hour and a half, and I'm going an hour and 45 minutes, how are you going to finish the discussion on a Thursday? <laughs> right? So, a bit quarter proud. Question number six. What is covetousness? Now, I'm just giving a general, we'll look a little bit more into that. What is covetousness? So, it is a desire for material things it is a desire for material things that puts your that puts you first or before God and his kingdom it is a desire for material things or advancement or anything like that that puts you first or before God and His kingdom. Okay? Before God and His kingdom. So, and obviously covetousness also means to desire things that don't belong to you. You shall not covet another man's wife. So covetousness also deals with desiring things that belong to someone else. And then, Here, die is. Bless me, my die is. 
you know, then you go into fasting and prayer for that, that man's house or a woman's house or whatever. Okay? Sikke goed te gebeur. Okay? Sikke goed te gebeur. Whatsoever you desire in your heart, things you shall speak, you shall have it. Right? Whatsoever did not mean, you know, if something belongs to somebody else, you can name it, claim it, and frame it into your little box. Right? Uh, those type of things. So we can't do that. Okay? And uh, let's just end off with a scripture, Luke 12, verses 13. And so for next week, you can actually go read the rest of the verses, and I think until the end, so that next week when we speak about it, you actually are more acquainted with this, the scriptures and the verses that I'm speaking about. Um, what I say? Luke 12, 13. Luke 12, 13. Luke twelve thirty, and one of the com- and one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Okay, next verse. Okay, that doesn't mean that what is yours is yours. Okay, if you are inheriting something and it's it's the world and it's yours, it's yours. It doesn't belong to your brother. It's yours. Okay. But uh, I think Jesus was getting to the heart of the problem. Okay? And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Next one. And he said unto them, Take heed. The word take heed is a very interesting Greek word. It means to look. To watch. So in other words, in other words, most... Um, if I said you beware of the dog when you go into 6th Street or something like that, you know, what must you do? You must look. Because you don't know maybe which house it is, but you got to look. And if you're going into a house and the stands, beware of the dog. You kick most ears. Right? So you got to have spiritual sight into what covetousness is. If you don't understand covetousness, how can you look? How can you take heed? So you've got to understand covetousness to make sh- so to, to guard, protect, to watch yourself. And then he says, and beware of covetousness. That also means to watch. So you've got to have this carefulness in you. Of covetousness. For man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. So, and then Jesus obviously go and gives a parable to explain covetousness. And I will not go into the parable today. Next week we will discuss the parable. So if you take from verse 15 or verse 13 and you just go read on. You know, maybe you can go read for yourself and maybe you discover some interesting things. And, and actually in the parable that's where you can misunderstand that, that it's, not, it's not right for you to plan. Okay, when you read the parable, and you can come to, Jesus wasn't dealing with planning, He was dealing with covetousness, the motive, the desire, the drive behind planning. Right? All those type of things. So, so beware 
this week. Watch. Okay. Amen. Come as bit. So that's, that's, that's all the questions, just getting them out of the way. I, maybe I'll think of some questions in the week and so on, or maybe as I'm talking to someone, I might think of some more questions, and then maybe I'll get those type of things. So it'll be, it's good that you will discuss it on Thursday. and then, Father, we just thank you that, uh, for your word, and I pray that anything that is not clear or any area that we have not yet covered, I pray, Father, that you would give us insight, that we would cover it, so that we would have a good and sound understanding of what you want to say and how we should go forward. And I pray, Father, that you would just continue to speak to us, even in dreams, visions, scriptures. Open your word to us. Speak to us, Lord, and reveal our hearts to us. Amen. Amen. Let's take up an offering. Wow, this basket. <laughs> 